You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Welcome everyone to I Have Some Notes, Side Notes Edition, Christmas 2020. Uh, m- Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, pals. How are you? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm of course, uh, your host, Liam Kreswick, and the people I'm asking Happy Holidays to is, of course... <laughs> That's Scott C. Bourgeois. And Greg Beaver. Merry Happy Holidays to you too, buddy. Yeah, it's been a while since we've, uh, we three have spoken. Yeah. Uh, Surprise! We, we said yeah. that the last one was going to be our our last episode of the year, but uh, bonus. But you should we made know, it back. You should know by now not to believe anything <laughs> that we say ever. Yeah. Uh, Habitual yeah, liars. No. Uh, we we got into the busy season, the kind of busy pre Christmas season, and then things kind of settled down, and uh, we realized, hey, you know, we could we could actually put out a couple more episodes here. Sooner than well, we expected. Uh, sure, yeah. A couple this year would be ambitious, but certainly one for you is good. <laughs> That's yeah, all you're yeah. going to get. <laughs> a Christmas episode and then maybe coming back next year a little sooner than we intended. Yeah, most likely, yep. Indeed. And uh, yeah, we sort of saw fit for a, a bit of a, a year in review, though obviously uh, the, this year the, the reviews are in generally a stinker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also just yeah. to like look back and reflect on the films that were seemed a little uh, like trite, like considering everything else that's going on. You know, like a top top ten list of the year is like nobody asked for this from the you know anyone, let alone these three wise men. Uh. Yeah, when it comes to 2020, I think we can say that we have some notes. Yeah. yeah, big notes. Yeah. yeah, hot take 2020, not a good year. <laughs> I heard it described as the starter pistol is on the race to nowhere. <laughs> like when people were talking about it as like a boxed event. Uh, and it's like, no, this is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're going to we're gonna talk about, yeah, movies of the year, but also just uh, the movies that sort of helped us uh, uh, cope and helped us uh, 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 keep keep. Um, either, if not hopeful, distracted. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe we'll even blow it up a bit, because there weren't a lot of movies this year, and we could talk a little bit about, like, streaming television or television shows or even maybe a couple of video games that helped get us yeah. through the last several months. There's actually yeah. a, a podcast I want to shout out. Though, uh, as we were preparing for this, I just want to spit out a couple movie titles. There were more movies that came out this year than I think we initially were uh, sort of giving credit to. Uh, and so just a couple that I'm going to make a point to go watch uh, this week. Uh, didn't see Bill and Ted face the music. Yeah, still uh, haven't had a chance to catch that one either, actually. Yeah. Uh, Elijah Wood made a flick called Come to Daddy that looked really interesting. Uh, <laughs> and then another one called Save Yourself, which is about a couple who goes uh, into the woods, and then uh, that's exactly the weekend where the world ends. Ooh. Um, so, yeah, those were just some uh, more, more. 2020 had a few more movies uh, to offer than I think. It yeah, I think appear. it's safe to say that there was still quite a quite a few movie releases. It's, um, it's just that of the blockbuster variety, there were very few. <laughs> yeah. Can, can you imagine telling yourself about the new mutants in the year 2000 when the first X-Men movie came out? 
that like that that there would be a horrible pandemic and nobody would go see it yeah that also like not only would nobody go see it but even the people who could go to movie theaters to see it chose not to see it yeah <laughs> yeah everybody went and saw tenant again yeah yeah you know there were movie releases this year that did in fact happen kind of outside of the digital medium but it's been such a challenge to get out and see anything that i i think a lot of people kind of made a pass on it and a lot of the streaming services now have their own little kind of exclusive bubbles and not everybody has, you know, HBO Max or Amazon Prime. So there's a lot of releases that people just don't get a chance to see because they don't have the right channel, essentially. And yeah. so it's been a weird mishmash this year. And there there are, as you say, there were movies that came out, but I feel like I missed a lot of them. And it was simply because I couldn't, muster the energy to go seeking them out <laughs> yeah yeah i uh i felt like this year was um a year where i watched probably the least movies that i've watched in a long time um i don't know why that was but um a lot of 2020 was just trying to find things that were comforting and for some reason uh, movies didn't hit that sweet spot for me and i think maybe Part of it was because I spent a lot of time watching familiar TV shows that I had seen before. Mm-hmm. So um, watching a, a new movie was kind of a bit of a struggle for me. I did watch a few. Yeah, um, it's like when you want comfort food. You don't go and order something new off the menu. You order something that you know, you've already had yeah. that you know you like. Yeah. And we also, we watched it. We had a good weekly stretch at the beginning there where we were doing episodes every week. So we also yeah. watched a lot of garbage for podcast's sake. That That's maybe true. didn't stick yeah. around the it way. It was taking yeah. up all my movie time was the yeah. <laughs> was the movies for the show. <laughs> maybe I just got like to the point where I'm just like, hey, you know what? Mo- all movies are garbage, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I seem to watch. I think it's also like the there's an like uh, investment in time issue. Like mm-hmm. sometimes like often I found myself this year was just like, I just want to watch something for forty minutes or a half hour. I didn't feel often like I wanted to watch something for an hour and a half, two hours, or possibly three. Which is why I didn't watch The Irishman, because yeah. like I, I thought like a few times I was like I should watch that, and I was like no, I just don't have, <laughs> I just don't the have the wherewithal span. to invest that much time in one sitting. Uh, Anita and I, outside of binging a few very popcorny things, um, have not sat down and and like seriously watched a movie in a while. But we uh, at the on the day that we're recording this, we watched the final two episodes of the Mandalorian. And I feel like that was the most time commitment that the two of us together have made to, uh, some new media that we have not seen before in a while, actually just sitting down through those two episodes back to back. Do we want to rip the three white guys on a podcast cliche bandaid off now and just quickly talk about the Mandalorian and then get into the rest of this? (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) It's very good. It's the best star Wars sequel. Yeah, I I, was, <laughs> I really liked uh, all of it except the last fifteen minutes of the last episode was like I fine. Also liked the last fifteen minutes of the last episode. It was yeah, I, it was all I'm, very good. And it was it was an it, earned yeah. moment without spoiling anything. I feel like it was an earned moment. See, I don't. I guess I'm over that moment. Is my that's my takeaway? Is I'm <laughs> I'm so over I'm so over it. And the thing I liked about the Mandalorian is it wasn't that. And then yeah, that it kind of went. Uh, Rogue One. Uh, we again don't want to spoil yeah, anything. It's so, it's so fresh and it's it. such a big spoiler. I probably even just like the tone of my voice was almost inappropriate. 
I have not watched Mandalorian. I watched the first three episodes. Um, I thought they were fine, and then for some reason didn't continue watching it. Um, it's, it's but I am funny. I am aware of the big the big spoiler of which you are are speaking of. <laughs> well, but we can't assume that everybody who's watched who's listening yeah, to the podcast sure. is. Um, I will say this: I cut my teeth when I was a teenager uh, with the with my tabletop role playing with the Star Wars RPG. Uh, it was the uh, the D six Star Wars RPG. It was uh, great fun, and watching the Mandalorian brought me back to my teenage years playing that game because it felt like the kind of space adventure that we w- that we would play at the table. And that's not I'm not trying to insult it by saying that mm-hmm. by suggesting that it's that it was the kind of thing that was concocted by the minds of a bunch of sixteen year olds. What I mean to say is that it, it captured that kind of grand adventure out on the rim, gritty Star Wars stuff that that we wanted and that we enjoyed like imagining. And yeah. to see it brought to life hit all of my sweet spots. And it was the best Star Wars media I've seen in literally decades. Yeah, and hard agree. I, like, even if you didn't like the last 15 minutes of the last episode, the rest of the journey was so good uh, that it's well worth your time. If you are a Star Wars fan... You're a good storytelling been, fan, honestly. Yeah, and if you've been and you've been holding off on it, give it a go. It's real good. It's it's yeah. I hard agree. It's just a tight adventure show, and then there's some fanboy, you know, let's call it love near the end. Uh, I, again, uh, but I the, felt the, the I first liked season, it. the second season, it's just good serialized adventure storytelling for sure. For sure, like yeah, just crisp, clean. They put on a clinic every time. So what about uh, what about movies? Were there any uh, any movies folks are uh, uh, excited to uh, to talk about? There was one actually I watched. It's pretty fresh. I watched today. Uh, if I can, I know I asked, and now I'm immediately going to jump in. And, That's fine. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I hear no contention, so away we go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I watched uh, I watched Palm Springs uh, today, and uh, hard recommend for that one too. Um, it, it was. Uh, just really well conceived, and I think the thing I like the most about it uh, is, I don't think it's a spoiler because it's in the. I saw some promo on on Facebook today. It it is a Groundhog Day esque story where there are they are stuck in a time loop. Oh, is this the one with Andy Samberg? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I've, I do actually want to watch that. Uh, yeah, it's, the trailer looked pretty great. It's also been on my to watch list for a while. I just haven't had a chance to get around to it yet. Yeah, it's uh, it clips along nicely. I didn't do the thing where I usually do, where I stop a movie halfway, go do something for an hour, and come back. I watched it all the way through, and it. Uh, I think the thing I liked about it, it was the perfect amount of, because sh- like whenever you get a high concept movie like this, you really want to exp- like the sci fi nerd in me, or just the like what if nerd in me, really wants to like see all the permutations of like, well, if this is true, what does that mean? And as fun as that is, that's not always what movies and stories are about mm-hmm. <clears throat> and this one was the perfect mix of you get to have them you get to watch them have fun playing within the rules they've established and it tells a concise character story not too much of one not too much of the other it's just it's a tight fun interesting movie about nihilism i will i will definitely check that out at some point i'm glad you i'm glad you brought that up because it was kind of one of those movies where i, I watched the trailer and be like i want to watch that and then i quickly very quickly completely forget the name of the movie (laughs) i'll be honest i went on to amazon prime hoping to watch the last blockbuster and it was not just a streaming movie to watch you got to pay for it and i was like oh but palm springs is here and away we went so yeah 
Yeah, it, Palm Springs is up there with Bill and Ted Face the Music for me. It's uh, something that's been on my want-to-watch list this year that I just haven't had the chance to pull the trigger on yet. Fair enough. What, what, what have you pulled the trigger on? Any uh, exciting flicks you saw? Uh, I mean, it, I don't think that I've seen a new movie outside the movies that we were doing for this podcast this year. <laughs> so Old Guard uh, is right on the top of your list. <laughs> yeah, like I, but here I did see some movies that are still technically new that came out Mm -hmm. last year that I hadn't had the chance to see until this year. Um, I finally had a chance to see color out of space earlier this year. I know I've already talked about it on the podcast and still highly recommended. I also finally got around to seeing toy story four, which was not as good as the first three, but I mean, still, I suppose fun. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've been avoiding toy story four out of like some sort of bizarre principle where I've decided that Toy Story 3 was a- an excellent ending to that particular saga, and I do not need to see anymore. You are correct. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah okay. I'd agree like, with that. I'm making it's the right a, decision. It's a fine, fun movie, but it's, it's the continuation of a story that already had a good ending, and it kind of undoes a little bit of the message of the last two movies in a way that didn't sit right with us when we watched it. We actually talked about it afterwards, and we were like, no, no, <laughs> this movie was unnecessary, and it it really feels like it kind of undoes some of the message of the first three. In the sense that, like, um, uh, like your your toys are the kind of thing to, to pass on and let other people enjoy, and that they, they, continu- they can continue to have life? Is that sort of the message that it undercuts? Or? A, l- a little bit, yes, but also, also this movie was weird because in the first three movies they kind of establish the rules of the toys and the rules of the toys involve not letting people know that toys are 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 alive right yeah but in this movie they mess with people a lot like oh like overtly mess with people in a way that was like okay if if anybody happened to look down or up at this moment they would see living toys destroying their lives and the fact that (laughs) the fact that they got away with it also kind of was like, nah, that was hackneyed. Yeah. And it, yeah, the whole, the, the movie is fine. It has good characters. It tells a nice story, but taken as part of the Toy Story series, didn't like it. Yeah. That's how I felt about the octopus driving and finding Dory, where I was like, this doesn't track. <laughs> this is, my no, suspension I, of disbelief is, is out the window. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah is, like Woody running smart. in pace with another human, like, through a toy store yeah uh in this one like as an example at one point a toy is actively like stopping someone from hitting the brakes on their car and it's like no we've gone too far now toy story we've gone too far (laughs) yeah i think uh i think my my wife has a problem with that octopus too liam so you got good company and and feeling that that was a bridge too far octopodes are very smart and so I buy that Hank is an unusually smart octopi- octopode, octopus, mm-hmm. and uh, is capable of at least making a car go straight. <laughs> yeah, no, he he merges from um, an exit to a highway. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that like, that, that if we're going to get into this just a little bit, sure. the, the the humor of it of of the fish in in finding Dory and and finding Nemo Nemo was usually like them doing them am- being anthropomorphized only to a point 
You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they would, they could, they could mess in the human world, but it was, it was the, the severe limitations of their, of their bodies and stuff like that. So there was always sort of like an element of realism that was limiting them. And that was, yeah. and that blend was, was where a lot of the comedy came from. And yeah, the, the, the octopus driving the bus tends to ruin that. There's a term that one of my friends used. We, we had watched Toy Story 4 remotely with some friends at the same time. And he said that, uh, and I think this applies to uh, a lot of the Pixar sequels, um, Toy Story 4 was the first Toy Story that felt very Disney and not very Pixar. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I think maybe Finding Dory is in that same category where it's a very Disney movie and not as much a Pixar movie. What are the qualities of a of a Disney movie? Do you well, think just that? just it's it's the the reality is a little more heightened. Uh, the characters are a little more cartoonish. Uh, they can they can kind of break the rules of their universe a little more in a way that is just like okay, um, like it, it's just loosier and goosier, and it's yeah, it's it's okay. not as it's not as tight. The storytelling just isn't quite. How to best describe it? <laughs> you're, it asking, maybe, you're asking me. Can, you're asking is it me, maybe the difference between Wreck It Ralph and Wreck Ralph like breaks the internet or whatever it is? Oh no, for second. sure, <laughs> for sure. Although Wreck It Ralph was a Disney property. No, like, I know Ralph that. Ralph breaks but the like, internet it, is a good example. The a lot of these a lot of these sequels a lot of these very Disney sequels feel more like a series of sketches that are strung together and less like a cohesive story. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Ralph Rex or breaks the internet uh, definitely feels like someone came up with a bunch of <laughs> separate comedic tidbits, and we're like, we got to fit this in there, and this, yeah. and this, and this, and then we'll then we'll put them all in together the a loose story. Or yeah, exactly. <clears throat> People get super hyped because they're going to be all these princesses in the in the same room. Yeah, yeah. We've talked a lot about Toy Story four now. <laughs> yeah, Disney in general, but uh, and so since I'm. T- could give Disney all their money. The next one I want to talk about is another Amazon Prime original. So clearly we're all in the pocket of billionaires. And <laughs> ugh, ugh. Anyone watch a cool indie movie? <laughs> uh, I mean, we, mm. we caught The Social Dilemma and Feels Good Man this this year. That was probably my favorite documentary of the year was, was Feels Good Man. It, that was a, uh, thank you for watching that with me. Uh, that was a, a treat. Yeah, yeah it, it was, it, it definitely, I have, I have a lot of, um, docu series and documentaries on my on my list. Um, feels feels good, man. It's on the on the top of it. Um, uh, pretty close to um, uh, what's that called? Action Park? No, the class action class park. action park. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you, Scott. Go ahead. Oh no, I was going to say uh, basically that I agreed. <laughs> <laughs> we we both basically started saying the same thing at the same time, which was that feels good, man. Was was very good and. Uh, and it was not the movie we had intended to watch. And Liam, you absolutely get credit for that. You talked us into kind of hitching it on because it was a movie you wanted to see and it hit on similar themes. And it was the better of the two movies, arguably. And that's not to sell The Social Dilemma short. Yeah, Social Dilemma is still, still worth a watch. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited to hear about Class Action Park, uh, to be honest, because I, I am a big John Hodgman it fan, is. mostly. Uh, and then also a fan <laughs> yeah. of Spectacle and Disgust. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's kind of a, it's kind of a wild ride and, and, um, it's sort of got, it's sort of delightful in sort of reveling in 
the antics of these kids who basically had a theme park to themselves to almost do what they wanted and and this sort of crazy owner um who didn't give a flying shit about safety standards in any regard um and and there's kind of um there's kind of almost like a a, a, a you know a, a nostalgia I mean, there's definitely a nostalgia element to the movie because they're interviewing people who used to go to um, Action Park and 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 kind of loved it despite all of its dangers. Um, and 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 for me, that sort of just threw me back into the days when you know me and my friends were recording each other, you know, having Mortal Kombat fights and um, you know uh, jumping off of you know cliffs and things like that, and just doing like generally stupid things. Uh, you know, to hell with uh, safety, right? So that, but at the same time, it's also infuriating um, because all these horrible things are happening, and and people died. Like, and and like, and there are certain points of the documentary that like, are, they'll they'll make you laugh and giggle at the 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 just the audacity uh, yeah the sheer audacity of it and and then uh, in the next breath you're just absolutely incensed that someone would let it happen that's yeah that sounds gripping i'm uh excited to watch that one yeah i'm gonna have to check it out i didn't even know it was a thing so thank you for bringing it to my attention yeah i think uh, and am am i correct in saying john hodgman is the the narrator he is the narrator you're correct sweet um yeah uh another uh, another very funny documentary uh that i would uh recommend uh, was Borat a subsequent movie film? <laughs> That's a, a very real documentary about uh, very real events. Actually, they are. It really is. Like just because he's fake, like what he captures. I love the original Borat is one of my all time favorite movies, uh, and not because I love to say my wife very nice. Like truly for like the improv and the like <clears throat> the craft of what he does, uh, and so I, I, I have like I have trouble computing how Sasha Baron Cohen does what he does. Um, just because, I, I, first of all, like, he's putting people in very awkward, embarrassing situations, um, and just watching them embarrass themselves makes me squirm, and I, and I, I for that reason, I have trouble watching. <laughs> well, and his... that's, that's kind of, at, at its crux, that's the kind of humor that he's tapping into, is, is that very, um, very awkward style of British humor. And, like, it's kind of, evolved beyond that a little at this juncture but that's where it started certainly yeah and i think like his his ability um um to you know put people in those positions but also um to say something while doing it and to and to and to and to really show who someone is um by sort of manipulating them through comedy is just like that's that's just incredible amount of talent to me and it, it's hard for me to it's hard for me to compute how talented he is now yeah. having not yet seen borat 2 um i did consume some adjacent media to it fairly recently uh lindsay ellis mm-hmm. a youtuber uh excellent youtuber uh who does a lot of film analysis and and whatnot and now a best-selling author uh put out a video on how Borat actually somehow works better now and how the sequel is arguably better than the original for that reason, because it, it's tapped into the zeitgeist in a very interesting and very scary way. And it actually made me want to watch the movie more than uh, I originally had. Like it, I went from mild interest to actually kind of interested in seeing it now and, and just haven't had the chance yet. 
Yeah, it's uh, she. She. I, I think my favorite part of her essay was where she just sort of points out that like the original Borat, it seemed like he was making fun of this weird fringe when really it should have been a canary in the coal mine. Yeah, uh, and it made me like laugh and then stop and be very sad, and I had to pause that YouTube video <laughs> for a minute and like do a lap and then come back and be like, <sighs> yeah. So it it really does like. Um, there's so, there's and and the the great thing about the second Borat movie is it's a nice mix of just like, or it's actually less stupid gross out humor than the first one. Um, there's really only I can think of one scene uh, with a bunch of period blood uh, that is the like gross out for gross out sake, and even that shows some pretty obnoxious um, high society people. Uh, but the rest of it is much more like political and poignant and. Um, uh, uh, directed uh, than the first one is um, in terms of like with something to say as opposed to just gawking and and uh, ch- chiding the stupid like <laughs> I think um, that my favorite thing that I've seen Sasha Baron Cohen do recently was um, when he was getting what was the award he was receiving was it like a I don't want to say because I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> With the, anyway, he's receiving an award and he was doing a speech and he basically like lambasted all the the tech companies and the social media giants for like six minutes or seven minutes straight. And it's it, it's really just a must watch. Mm-hmm. He's a very he's a very very articulate smart dude. Uh, which you might not expect based on his humor, but uh, if you actually have seen him in interviews, yeah. And uh, to be fair, it's only in recent years that he's started to appear more as himself to do interviews like that. And I think it's because he's become more awakened to some of the social ills that he sees in recent years. And I think it's partly because his comedy has made him more aware of it. And that's yeah. to his credit. Like that is all that is a hundred percent to his credit. He's realized that there's problems in society and he's using his art and his craft to draw more attention to it. And that's good. That's good of him. Fantastic. I think that's a, a lot of comedians, to be honest. And I, you know, Good generally com- comedians, up. you know, they, uh, you know, they're they're attacking the absurd. And I and I think, you know, we live in, in absurd increasingly times. absurd times. Yeah. And 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 comedians, the, there's a real um, shift in in moving towards, um, a, you know, a, a much more political uh, and socially. Uh, awakened stance for a lot of comedians and uh, you know and I think that's that's just part of the times that we live in it's it's I, I feel like it's almost an, it's almost necessary yeah. and that's why we have so many really great talents like you know Sambi and uh, John Oliver and and um, uh, Larry Wilmore and all these people doing this kind of stuff yeah though that sure. it, it, I think that is true but also uh, uh, um, Sasha Baron Cohen played Abby Hoffman in The Trial of the Chicago 7, who was a truth-to-power comedian uh, mm-hmm. in the 70s. Uh, so it's like, you are both true and accurate, and also nothing's changed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And also, um, yeah. good segue there. Thank you. I was pretty <laughs> sitting there, just I'm like, yeah, anyway. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so uh, Trial of the Chicago 7 is also a, a enjoyable flick from 2020. Are, are any, did any of you guys watch um, uh, uh Molly's game? No. No. His it is Molly's game is is um uh Aaron Sorkin's other directorial effort. And it's also happens to be one of my most favorite movies of all time. And I I love 
I, I just love the way that Aaron Sorkin writes. And I realize that he's he's a boomer who's problematic for all the reasons that boomers are problematic. But I, I do I do appreciate his his talent in, in um you know he's just a, a wizard at, with, with dialogue and and I love watching his movies. I, he as a director, eh, <laughs> he's okay. Um, Molly's Game was probably directed a little bit better than this one, which is kind of funny for his second effort. I, there was parts of the trial of Chicago Seven that um I didn't love the structure of. Um, it left me wanting a little bit, but um, overall I. I I enjoyed the movie. Yeah, me too. I, and I don't usually go in for court court dramas, but it was, uh, it was also a piece of history I wasn't overly familiar with. Yeah, no, me neither. Though my dad, I, I mentioned it to my dad, and he was like, oh, yeah, this, this, and this. He was like, he would have been a young teenager when it was all happening, and he remembers it quite clearly. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, can I, ta- can I talk about Star Trek for a little bit? <laughs> I just need to (laughs) Star Trek had a very, I don't know. Let's, let's call it uneven year. It, 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 uh, we started the year out with, uh, uh, a next generation sequel in Star Trek Picard. Uh, we then had, uh, an animated, uh, comedy, uh, Star Trek show with lower decks. Um, I have notes. <laughs> and and now and now we're running through um the third season of Star Trek Discovery. So um <laughs> Star Trek Picard was um I don't, do I want to say difficult for me to watch? Confusing. How about confusing for me to watch? Cuz like there was there was a lot of elements I feel of a good show and there was a couple um, there was a couple episodes that were really good. There was a there was an episode in which um, uh, a despondent Picard ends up, um, you know, seeking help from his old pals, um, uh, Will Riker and Deanna Troy, and and that sh- that episode, while seemingly feels like it was built for uh nostalgia purposes uh was also quite sweet and touching and kind of spoke to me on a uh on a very personal level um uh, but mostly it the it was a, a, a i think uneven is probably the most charitable charitable way of putting it there was a lot of characters um who um did not do much um there was an entire like uh, samurai Romulan, who's who you could just lift out of the story if you wanted to. Uh, Seven of Nine comes back, and it's nice to see Jerry Ryan play Seven of Nine, and the evolution of Seven of Nine's character is cool. Um, but she also does kind of lifts out, out outside of the first episode that she appears in. Um, and it, I don't know, like, like some of the new new characters they introduce are are um, really well acted and. Uh, uh, like the the actors are doing everything they can everything they can with them, um, but unfortunately, in some cases, are very poorly written or confusingly written. Like in the case of Allison Pill's character, who takes so many wild uh, leaps and bounds in and twists and turns that it's it's hard to understand who her character actually is by the end of it. So I found that frustrating. I like I didn't I didn't I don't I never really think that like I ever really needed to return to the Star Trek 
the TNG universe just because the the seven seasons I love so much and uh, I don't I don't really need more. Uh, I kind of don't consider the movies canon or the <laughs> or Star Trek Picard canon. <laughs> but it, uh, overall, a frustrating show. But then uh, <clears throat> maybe we'll disagree on this, Liam. Uh, Star Trek Lower Decks was uh, great. I liked it a lot. Oh, me too. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I I have thoughts on it, but I, I definitely enjoyed it for sure. I think, um, it, like, in a way, the Star Trek Lower Decks is sort of like the the TNG show I actually wanted to watch, just because it's like, you know, because it's just taking a piss out of a show I love, which is great. I like, uh, you know, it, it's very, it's in a, in a way, it's kind of a love letter to that era of, of Star Trek. Um, but also, um, you know, um, uh, makes light of a lot of a lot of sort of key aspects of it, and you know, it's and and um, it's actually uh, quite funny, and uh, uh, it was probably the best Star Trek thing I've seen in uh, in a long time. The New best, the best satire and parody comes from a place of love, yeah. and from like really purely understanding what you're what you're making fun of, and but like like the kind of fun that only someone who loves something can make. And it's interesting because I think the Orville uh, was meant as kind of a parody of Star Trek, the next generation, but it was so earnest <laughs> yeah, that, I it, think I, that it kind of became its own thing. And that, I mean, that's kind of to its credit in a way, but yeah. I think lower decks was what the Orville set out to be and succeeded a little better because it was, yeah. it, it kept itself a little more rooted in the comedy. I think. I, I think Seth MacFarlane really just wanted to be in Star Trek, which I don't. I don't blame him for that at all. It's just like it just yeah, it just kind of under, undercut just, what he was trying to do a little bit. When you're Seth MacFarlane, though, you've got the money to just make your own Star Trek. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> so why yeah. not go ahead and do it? Uh, a lot of a lot of lower deck uh, conversation like compares it to other Star Trek, but I actually think the show that I found myself comparing it to the most uh, was the Harley Quinn animated series. Because that's another animated show that takes a deeply beloved and established pop culture franchise and, like, makes fun of itself. Um, And on one hand, I think they both do it equally well, but also it made me really feel like, does having this sort of, like, self-aware make fun of ourselves that's so wholly removed from the the other ones like it's its own entity as opposed to the marvel movies where it's kind of baked in is it going to be hard to engage with new batman media and new star trek media after having watched it sort of like be lampooned in it like now that they've pointed out some of the absurdities can people who write that material engage with those absurdities in good faith after this like I'm not sure, but that's both of those shows really made me think too hard about that. <laughs> I, I, speaking for myself personally, I, I, I don't have a, too much of a problem of carp compartmentalizing the silly aspects of of Star Trek for the most part. Um, so I mean, seeing them put on display, that's, I think that's part of why it's so funny to me because, like, I you know, watching the show, like the silly bits are. are you know, yeah, fairly I, obvious. <laughs> I was trying. I was trying to articulate a thought, and, and I mostly got there. And then I think I've got it here. Where like I think, I think the Harley Quinn series is funnier than the Lower Decks, but the Lower Decks is better in that it doesn't undermine Star Trek quite the way Harley Quinn undermines uh, Batman. I see. I see. And it's funnier for that. Harley Quinn is is definitely a funnier and kind of more entertaining series than Lower Decks, but I think Lower Decks is 
better suited to be a companion to its franchise as opposed to like a subversion of it. Sure. Okay. So yeah. Legit. Also, Tawny Newsome should be in everything. I'm I was so <laughs> glad to see her uh, cast as something. I'm excited to see her show up in more things because she was in that Space Force series as well. That was pretty forgettable, but she was great in it. So yeah, more more Tawny Newsome, please. Uh, rounding into home for Star Trek discussion is uh, Star Trek Discovery this year, which is uh, like I, I think if you've followed me anywhere on the internet you probably know that i'm not a big fan of star trek discovery i don't i don't like the violent uh, direction um they took it in which is ironic because i like ds9 but that's another discussion um uh, but i you know overall it's just like I, I feel like it's a pretty inconsistent show and it and uh and um had some real challenges in its writing in the first couple seasons and uh, s- often Star Trek takes a while to find its footing, and Discovery seems to have been managed to do that against all odds. This season is actually quite good. I- I'm saying hedging my bets because who knows what the last <laughs> four or five episodes are going to be like. But um, it, uh, it-, it seems to have, have um, found its soul a little bit. Um, the, the characters are starting to round into form and, and get, um, fleshed out. Um, and, and it's, and it's a a little bit more, it's quite a bit more hopeful. Um, I, I think the, uh, you know, um, that's part of what I found to be a sort of a core tenet of, of Star Trek. And, uh, um, and it, and it's, it's been quite touching in, in several places. They've, they've really hit the emotional beats of the season. Well, even if sometimes, um, the execution of the overall episodes aren't, you know, perfect. So, so, you know, if you're, if you were unsure about, um, Star Trek discovery and you kind of gave it a pass, eh, maybe look to pick it up in season three and see if you dig it. Hey, you know what time it is, guys? Time for an ad break? I think it's time to hear from our sponsor. Who do we who do we have this week? Well, Greg and Leo. <laughs> this episode of I Have Some Notes is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton Presents Igniting Innovation, a new podcast series on the evolution of Edmonton's tech startup scene. Emily Rendell-Watson explores how startups and investors are coming together to build what's next. You'll hear the stories of entrepreneurs, new and experienced tech investors, and those who are working to support the sector. You can search for Igniting Innovation in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or the app of your choice. You can also find it right now at presents.taprootedmonton.ca. Yeah, go check that stuff out at Taproot. Um, Let me switch... The discussion over to maybe um, the movies and shows we are sort of watching as uh, comfort food <laughs> this uh, this year. What was something that you kind of you guys were were uh, were drawing on to sort of give you uh, solace in these dark times? Well, uh, I found a series. Uh, we were actually recommended it. Uh, uh, I'm going to say about a month ago now. Um, it's in its, I want to say, 11th season now. <laughs> but it's new to us because we only just found out about it. It's a series out of the UK called Taskmaster. Go on. <laughs> um, so it's uh, comedian Greg Davies and uh, Alex Horn 
uh, do a show where Greg is the taskmaster, and they have a panel of usually comedians um, for the season. So about five comedians every every series, and Greg every episode sets them to do tasks. And they get scored by Greg on how he feels they did for those tasks. And Alex is his personal assistant and, like, uh, is the one who sets up the tasks for them to do. And it is hilarious. It is unbelievably funny. It is available on YouTube, like, legitimately. <laughs> they, they, the Taskmaster channel posts the episodes as they come out on YouTube so you can watch them. Um, the entire series is there to watch, and it is delightful. Um, every episode starts with the prize task, where all five of the panelists are asked to bring in something of theirs, which is then given out to the winner of that episode as the prize. They'll win five things that were owned by the five people. Um, and <laughs> like, not to spoil anything, but they might be asked to bring in their most expensive item or their shiniest item. And then they they get scored on the item they bring in, too. So it is still part of the competition. It's so funny. Uh, Nita and I have managed to binge through about five series of it so far. Um, and if you've never seen it and you want a good laugh and something kind of lighthearted that you can just watch and enjoy, definitely check out Taskmaster. It has been a wonderful series to, to watch so far. And it's still going like the 11th season is about to start. So, uh, you've got some time to, to catch up and then you can follow it live. Sweet. That sounds great. And, uh, yeah, this, that's uh, another British series that I'm familiar with that just like puts it all up on YouTube. Cause why not? But they, they brought back spitting image, which is like a puppet series, I guess from the eighties and yep. it's like a political commentary thing. It's I like, actually, it's like, if a, um, I actually political remember spitting image from back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, if like a political cartoon was puppetized, it's it's great. And yeah, those are every full episode up on up on uh, YouTube. So cool! I'm gonna check that out. Taskmaster. Taskmaster. Uh, yep. Nice. I I know my myself have been watching a ton of YouTube <laughs> over 2020. I, I at the beginning of the pandemic, I had put out like a call on my Facebook for people to recommend. Uh, a bunch of channels to me and, and boy did they ever come through and I can't it might have been you Scott that recommended H Bomber Guy to me which I, I devoured all of his stuff oh he's uh, delightful for sure yeah yeah super good um, and I've been watching a lot of uh, Philosophy Tube uh, Renegade Cut Liam you recommended that to me um, yeah just there's there's so much on on uh, on YouTube and I and I also like I uh, <laughs> This is this might be a little bit niche, but if you're into um, like speed running and uh, uh, you know uh, old SNES games and stuff like that, um, I I watch a lot of um, YouTubers who play Mario Maker, and I find that uh, very relaxing. Uh, Carl Sagan forty two is just a, is a, is a great uh, online personality. He's he. He really dives down deep into like how levels are created and things like that. It's really interesting, and he's also um, a scientist. He's a uh, he works in um, uh, basically works on viruses. So he's been interesting to watch during the pandemic because he's got a lot of insights on uh, on the coronavirus. Hmm. All right, I know Nita is uh, big into watching speedrunning um, because she finds the level of skill and devotion that goes into being able to execute so precisely and so perfectly in a video game, very intriguing and very impressive. Yeah. Cause like it's a level of mastery that, I mean, 
I will never have in anything in my life. Uh, it's like watching a concert pianist, uh, except someone playing a video game. And it's it's weird and it's kind of zen thing to just watch someone flawlessly execute a video game at an, at an incredible speed. It's... Uh, yeah. If you've never I watched, watched a speedrunner, I fell into it, it watching... It's, it's um, I, I, I found the Games Done Quick channel at one point. Yep. And, and that's kind of where I fell in love with it. Um, just watching... Because, like, when they... The Games Done Quick um, stuff, like, they're... They're not really running to to set a world record or anything they they'll talk you through what they're doing and why they're doing it and i find that endlessly fascinating that you know telling you like where the exploits are you know the the bugs that they're using to get themselves through the game faster and stuff like that yeah it's really interesting sweet i actually i weirdly went the opposite way where i've i've started paying for patreon things um Screw you, Jason Kenny. That's what I spend my serve money on. It's not drugs. It's uh, uh yeah, it's drugs. That's all. But uh, no, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've started paying for Patreon things. Um, so number like I I, I support Renegade Cut now, um, and a couple other ones. But uh, there was actually a podcast that I I couldn't help but at least take the chance. It was like five bucks a month. I'm like, okay, I'll I'll, I'll pay all this, and I'm very glad I did. Uh, so when you sort of had mentioned, oh, this might be too niche, I. I think I might be able to out niche here. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> um, there is a podcast called We Need to Stop Talking About TMNT on CBB, which is a spin-off podcast uh, of my uh, second favorite podcast, only to this one, of course, uh, Comedy Bang Bang, uh, where one of their characters and the host of Comedy Bang Bang agreed to watch all the Ninja Turtles everything. <laughs> because there was like a weird stretch over the summer where the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles kept popping up in conversation organically on Comedy Bang Bang, and the host was just like, "Oh yeah, we're a Turtles podcast now." Um, <laughs> so, but then him podcast. and him and another guy decided to go and start a Turtles podcast, <laughs> um, and it's it's just it's just silly and joyous and fun, and it's if you like Comedy Bang Bang, uh, it's that same kind of silly spirit, um, but where Scott gets kind of let off the leash a little. Um, they get really big guests and yeah, they just, uh, talk about people's relationship to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, and if they've maybe seen the movie they're going to watch, then they go and watch a movie. They come back and talk about the movies, uh, with this sort of weird premise that, uh, Scott, the co-host and, uh, a, a guy named Sean Distance on Sean Distance Patreon, but he's, he's playing a character named Spreg the Whisperer, who's like a British druid guy. It's weird. Um, <laughs> And the premise is they have the rights to make the next Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles project, but they need to get Scott caught up. Uh, uh, and also uh. that they're quarantining <laughs> together for some reason, like even though they're clearly not. <laughs> it's just like, it's 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 such a weird con. It's not just like, oh, it's a really good Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles podcast. It's just like a layers of silliness under the guise of talking about all the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. And like pretty big celebrities like uh, Tatiana Maslany, and Christian Brune uh, make an appearance. Um, yeah, so give give that guy five bucks and go listen to all his podcasts. It's worth it. Is it just the movies they're talking about? Or are they are they going into like all the TV shows and stuff? They like don't that do the TV shows, but they do a couple specials. They also watch the live from Carnegie Hall musical. They watch <laughs> a recording of that. Um, <laughs> they watch a weird like forty minute special that was released a couple years ago, where the turtles from the eighties meet the turtles from a current series. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Turtles Forever. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. So uh, it was. It's just really. It was like one of those things that like consistently made me laugh and 
felt like the sort of silly errant distraction that that we all needed so it, it was what taskmaster was for me yeah yeah i've also been watching like a ton of baking shows i find those like super relaxing oh we <laughs> devoured uh the great canadian baking show earlier yeah this year yeah uh, and it is a really delightful baking show. If you like baking competitions, but you're a little turned off by how um, mean they are, um, the Great Canadian Baking Show is so wholesome and friendly, and it's just delightful. It's it's so fun to watch. Yeah, it's it's very positive, and it's nice to see like the contestants like um, cheering each other on and, uh, occasionally helping each other out through things and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a genuinely pleasant show, which is, is definitely something we need more of in 2020. So oh, for yeah. sure. We, we've, we've actually, we've started watching, uh, the, the British bake, uh, baking show now, um, just because we're out of Canadian baking shows. So now it's on the British baking show, which is the originator. It's basically, it's, it's like the exact same show. It's kind of shot a little bit nicer. I think probably because uh, it's you know, whatever network it's on, it's the BBC or sky or something like that, but they've got more money than the CBC does. It doesn't everybody. It's true. See, you guys were saying you've maybe watched less movies this year than in previous years. You suspect. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking back to it. I actually think it's been more for me, or at least kept the same, because um, I uh, like. I unfortunately I still have to go into my job. Um, I love my job, and I'm not unfortunate to have it. I'm grateful to be there, but I, I do have. I don't. I don't get to work from home, <clears throat> and so the parts of the quarantine where I was forced to stay at home, I took that as my opportunity to get caught up on some classics. Uh, and so I actually mm-hmm. ended up watching. Um, the majority, about the first three quarters chronologically of all the Miyazaki movies. And they are very good movies. You did yourself. I, yeah, had never seen any of them. Um, um, I think I, some people were watching Spirited Away and when I was in my early 20s and we all might, you know, it was on in the background kind of a thing, but... Uh, it's, Spirited Away is probably one of my top 10 films. Yeah. I actually, uh, Poco Rosso, uh, of the lot that I watched, was my favorite. Oh, it's great too. Don't misunderstand. All of them are fantastic. They're all, yeah, all delightful. And and yeah, good, like um, Castle in the Sky and even uh, My Neighbor Totoro, which I'm like, oh, this is definitely a kid's movie and I'm a, I'm a grown man at home on a Tuesday uh, <laughs> smoking weed <laughs> and watching this at 11 a.m. But, you know, uh, it, it was it was wholesome as all heck and I really liked it. So. You know, you, uh, My Neighbor Totoro is like, it was almost a movie made for... Uh, you know, these times where you, when you needed something, you know, uh, light and fun and, uh, you know, positive and yeah, I don't know. It's, it, I watched it earlier in, in during the pandemic as well. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a nice relaxing watch. Um, kind of to bring it back to your original point there. Um, when I said I haven't seen as many movies this year, I kind of meant new movies. I, I, probably have watched more overall movies this year though i've just been going back a lot to like classics and things Mm -hmm. that i've seen before and part of that is because um my friends and my wife uh had a tradition from back in the day um where they watched all of the james bond movies and ranked them um they called it the james bond big board they had a big thing up on the wall where they would watch all the films and then they would rank them on different criteria. So like who was the best villain? What was the best theme song? What was the best overall movie? And they went through all the James Bonds and then uh, this is around the time that I kind of became part of this little group, this big board group. And we've since done other franchises. We did all the Police Academy movies, for example. Um, oh, right on. 
and we've because we're all stuck at home, we've been doing this virtually every weekend all year. <laughs> oh, sweet. Um, and we went through uh, Toy Story, which is why I watched Toy Story 4, actually, is because we, we went through all the Toy Story movies. And right now we're just into, like, classic Disney movies. And we're about three movies deep on that big board right now. And we have watched Mary Poppins, Moana, and The Sword in the Stone, because we're watching them via random number generator. Oh, and, sweet. Uh, <laughs> we're, and we're ranking them all on different criteria and, and such right now. And uh, it's been delightful. So, yeah, I have watched a lot of movies this year. Uh, but they've been mostly older movies. Oh, we were also doing the Fast and the Furious movies uh, as well. Oh, that's, that's, a- the other, that's the other series we were doing. <laughs> That's definitely a series that varies wildly in in quality. Can confirm having now now when we did fast what was it fast eight uh, for this podcast that was the first Fast and Furious movie I'd seen and now I've seen uh, no. all of the, the worst Fast one. and Furious movies yes and now I've seen them all so <laughs> yeah it's not a good opening salvo no. Fortunately, like the in I mean the structure of those movies doesn't really you don't really have to watch them in order anyway so. I mean, you kind of do a little bit. There is a there is an order to them, but it's kind of loosey goosey. Yeah, I think like, you, oh, I mean, you that... can figure you can figure out the bits that you missed <laughs> just fine watching them. And like I did, I didn't watch I didn't watch Tokyo Drift or any like or the fourth one, whatever that one was called. The, one, uh, the first one, with The Rock. Yeah, the one where um, uh, Vince Diesel's girlfriend dies. Um, so or I, does I, she? Like, I, Yes, exactly. <laughs> like the the uh, uh, I I picked up that series. I watched the first one, and then I didn't pick up that series again until The Rock came into it. So like I was like one of those people who was like yeah. uh, it tuned into Rock being uh, uh, franchise uh, steroids. Yeah, I've seen the first one with Paul Walker and the last one with Paul Walker. Those are the only ones I've seen. <laughs> well, uh, is that uh, are we gonna wrap it up and? Or I guess there are, we had, do have some listener comments to, to get uh, to. We yeah. certainly do. Um, yes, thank you, as always, those. to our listeners for contributing. Uh, yeah. We do appreciate it. We'd, we'd kind of reached out and asked what were some mm-hmm. of the, the movies and shows that you guys have been watching through 2020 to just kind of cope <laughs> with <laughs> gestures wildly at everything. Uh, so uh, Matthew D. Jameson commented, uh, I know it didn't get a lot of love, but Tenant was one of the only movies I saw on the big screen in 2020, and for me, it didn't disappoint. Best surprise in it, I actually uh, was actually liking Robert Pattinson in a role. He's not a bad actor. Yeah, he's good. He's good. He's good when he when he cares. <laughs> <laughs> Are you implying you didn't care about his Twilight movies? I don't think that that is a secret. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he, both of the leads, Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson famously were not, were there for the paycheck. Let's be fair. Sure. Yeah. Probably at least in the end, maybe the first one was exciting, but by the fifth one, you're probably like, this is, they, they were aware of the movie November, they were making. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, having watched the first one, I, I, I don't know that they were super into that one either. <laughs> they were aware seen of any the of them, but I did work at chapters when those books were in circulation. And I remember the Christmas of that year, literally unloading boxes of them daily. Oh, wow. Just like full. <laughs> yeah. <Anyway>. Gross. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, well, I mean, books, people are reading. Can't, can't really hate it. But yeah, it was, it was, I'd never seen books move in that volume where it was like, 
you know, <laughs> like the Red Cross giving out bags of flour. Like people were just like taking them by the dozen. Like as uh, as Jim Gaffigan says, it's just it's just somebody's McDonald's, right? Like yeah. everybody's got it. <laughs> like it's all it's all good. It's everyone's got their trash um, pop mm-hmm. culture that they that they uh, that they're really into. Indeed. Uh, Andrew Craig comments, I really enjoyed Love and Monsters. John Hughes meets a boy and his dog. It sticks out when I think back on the year of movie watching. Out of everything I saw, it really caught me off guard in all the best ways. Hmm. Siri, Google Love and Monsters. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, I actually uh, had to look that one up as well. I have not, I have not heard of it before. Sweet. Cool. And check that out. Thank you, Andrew. Good, uh, good tip. Yeah, like I, I went, I googled all the movies that came out this year, and I'm like, some of these I did not hear, and it's probably because I didn't walk through a movie theater. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Matt Bowes comments: My favorite TV show of this year was either JoJo's Bizarre Adventure parts one through four, or The Reagans. Favorite movies were The Climb and Emma. Do with that what you will, I guess. Also, Choked, uh, Peza Bolta High is probably the best Netflix film acquisition. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right uh also one new to me um but uh yeah netflix uh, I d- I scooped up some cool that ones they, that there's a, a docuseries on the reagans which i i would be my political brain would be interested in that yeah i've heard of jojo's bizarre adventure it's apparently the big hotness right now with a lot of the the kids and the teens who are into anime a very no, stylistic like- uh a very stylistic kind of shouting anime where you've got the uh, the fights and the and the punching and the weird punchy men if you like weird punchy man, if you if you liked your DBZ back in the day, probably want to check out JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh, hey, Hamilton came out this year. We all watched Hamilton, right? Everybody I, you know, Hamilton. it's kind of bizarre when you think about the things that like that were actually in 2020, and it's such a bizarre year that it feels like it. It feels like it, it took f- forever and also went by extremely quickly at the same time. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's yeah, stuff. I had a very nice uh, birthday experience on March 2nd, which is my birthday, and then, like, two weeks later, everything fell apart, and so it, it's it's really hard to parse that, like, the first month of the year and everything else, like... Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's weird looking back over my film diary on Letterboxd right now, because earlier in the... I don't remember watching some of this stuff earlier in the year, where it's just like, <laughs> oh, did I really watch that this year? Oh, my... I watched Ready Player One this year? Like, we watched Life earlier this year. Like, it feels like it was two or three years ago where we did mm-hmm. those episodes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like we're all kind of, like, uh, in- internalizing a certain level of, of, of trauma. And that's why the that's why uh, time doesn't seem to be um, o- occurring in a linear fashion. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's just a, it's such a, in such a weird place. Like, I... I uh, I can't really bring this back around. I was going to try and find a way of bringing that around back to movies, but I can't. I just just said a depressing <laughs> thing on air. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're all feeling it. That's fine. <laughs> but well, I'm, that's I'm glad that we, we chose to, to do this episode with, yeah. uh, I believe, uh, folks will be listening to this on Christmas Day or later. Um, yeah. No earlier than Christmas Day is my understanding. Uh, should be on Christmas Day, yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's uh, ni- nice to check in with everyone because, as you know, bleak as things are, this is uh, uh, we've commented before, um, but I, I enjoy uh, being able to uh, connect with you fellows and our listeners and uh, talk about uh, the movies we love. It's just one of those things we all get to look forward to. Yeah, it's a little yeah. Christmas present to us and to our listeners. 
Yeah, we hope you guys are having a, a pretty decent holiday, all things considered, and, and keeping yourself as safe as possible. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so, yeah, indeed, thank you very much uh, for listening. Please subscribe and uh, maybe give one of those reviews all the kids are talking about on all the places you get your podcasts. Yeah, one of those places you could get your podcasts is the Alberta Podcast Network. It's stuffed your stocking with local great podcasts for you to listen to and fall in love with. They've also hung your stocking up at albertapodcastnetwork.com, but you have to go there to retrieve it. And uh, we're going to start 2021 off with a bang uh, when we take on Demolition Man, uh, which I'm super looking forward to. I haven't seen Demolition Man in a long time. So, oh, it's, it's uh, going to be a fun one. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Uh, so look forward to that uh, in uh, early January. Uh, until then, uh, I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Happy New Year, and keep watching the skies. Oh, we didn't even mention the haunting of Bly Manor. That was a good one. Oh, well, <laughs> we mentioned now. There you go. <laughs> City as Museum Project, ECAMP, tells the stories of the people, places, things, and moments that make Edmonton our city. For the upcoming season of the ECAMP podcast, you can help tell these stories by applying by January 8th to join the team as production coordinator or as one of our segment hosts. Whether you're a history nerd, a podcasting whiz, or just looking to tell community stories through sound, visit citymuseumedmonton.ca slash podcast. ECAMP, an Edmonton Heritage Council initiative, needs emerging and experienced audio storytellers to bring to life a series on queer, immigration, and neighborhood histories. Join the ECAMP podcast team. Visit citymuseumedmonton.ca slash podcast and apply by January 8th.